Hey folks, this is Gary Morgan from Wild Game Dynasty. Today's podcast, episode 119, is a wonderful, wonderful podcast. We are blessed with a wonderful human being. And uh, today's guest is M.R. James. Yes, M.R. James. So those of you that know who that is, you know who uh, founded the Bowhunter magazine. It was him back in his early days as working. Uh, well, he, was a, he founded himself uh, in the classroom. He was a school teacher and uh, down in that Indiana area. And uh, then he went on to work for a newspaper, and he knew he had a special talent. He was uh, blessed by our creator with a uh, wonderful talent to be able to write very effectively. And, uh, hey, that was just one of his talents. He was a heck of a hunter and a probably more than anything just a uh, special person to so many people in that, uh, in that environment that he found himself uh, enjoying right from the beginning, and that was um, being out in the woods hunting and doing so and sharing that talent with so many people. Well, hey, instead of being rambling on as I kind of sometimes do, let's roll right into podcast episode 119 with Mr. James. Mr. this is Gary Morgan calling. Good. Good. Hey, how about you in this uh, beginning of March? Hopefully it's uh, coming at us like a lamb and not like a lion with a snow still flying. <laughs> Boy, are you wrong there. We have had a terrible, wet, rainy, windy day that just uh, is is the epitome of March roaring in like the lion. Oh. I'm, I'm all ready to see and pet some lambs, I tell you that. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Boy, when we see that from where my perspective is in Michigan... And the further north we get means, uh, you know, people start getting worried about, um, oh, the deer survival, especially in that very northern sure, area or the sure. Michigan's Upper Peninsula. But, uh, mm-hmm. hey, I just for the listeners here, I know uh, a lot of people know your whereabouts, where you and your wife call home. and, and uh, right. But uh, share with us a little bit about that. Well, uh, we live in southern Indiana. We're only about 30 miles from the Ohio River in Kentucky. And we have a mild climate compared to the years when we lived in Fort Wayne when I started uh, Bowhunter Magazine. It's uh, it's good in one sense. It's uh, not so good in the other. Weather's a lot milder. Some winters we won't get uh, much snow at all. We never worry about uh, deer die off and uh, starvation. This is farm country and a lot of wooded hills. Our farm is uh, mostly hardwood ridges, and I've got food plots, of course, and things that keep the deer happy. But, uh, Mm -hmm. no, this is a good part of the state. We lived and raised our family in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and moved to Montana for 16 years when I got, uh, uh, got the white shoe editing the magazine for me and uh, lived out there. Our son, our, old, our middle son, uh, he, he moved to Montana, went to school, the university was a wrestler out there for the Grizzlies. And wow. Was, met, met a girl from Whitefish, and they married, and they got two grown kids now. I enjoy going out and seeing, seeing him, but he's the only bow hunter in the family mm-hmm. besides me. Well, his grand, or my grandson, his son, 
I've already taken deer and elk and uh, wow. I think one moose, so he's uh, he's <laughs> following in old dad and granddad's uh, footsteps. Oh, yes, he is. That's pretty neat. I mean, not, mm-hmm. I have three children. Neither of the, I should say neither, all three are not hunters. Uh, they mm-hmm. they enjoy fishing and outdoor activities. Oh, yeah. You can't force it on them. They either are or they aren't. And, yep. uh, Mark was one of the guys that just loved it. Dave, too. My other sons... Uh, <laughs> got cold and antsy and yeah. sitting in a tree didn't appeal to them. So <laughs> they did their thing, and uh, I continue to do mine, thank God. Yeah. You lived out, you you moved from, for those that are not fully aware, you moved from Indiana to Montana. Right. Um, during the heyday, really, of Bowhunter Magazine. Yeah, I had struck a, an agreement uh I sold, we sold, my partners and I sold mm-hmm. business in, in 88, but uh, uh, they wouldn't take it unless I continued to run it. Uh, yep. For some reason, they thought that I had a formula, and I guess I do. Sure. Uh, did anyway. And I agreed. I said, I've only got two stipulations. One, I'm going to live anywhere I want, and two, you don't call me darn hunting season. <laughs> Those and are really they good said, as, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I said, good deal. Yeah. Well, that's if they leave you alone during those particular time frames, it gives you more you material. Know, yeah, Gary, going to a quick story, uh, the president of the company called one day, and he said, uh, we're about ready to have our annual meeting, and uh, I understand you don't like to come to New York City. And I said, that's an understatement. <laughs> and he said, well, how about if... Uh, the board and I fly out to uh, Montana, and uh, you can show us around a little bit, and we'll conduct our business out there. And I said, that's a deal. And my uh, gosh, they did it. I'll be darned, huh? They brought yeah. their muckalucks and, and showed up. <laughs> uh, they brought their fishing rods. And uh, oh. one of the things is God's truth. Uh, we pulled off the black uh, Blacktop Road where our uh, lane begins and went across the cattle guard and looked off the left, and there was a, about a nice four-by-four four buck bedded out there in the grass. Wow. You could see his antlers. And so one guy said, is that real deer? <laughs> and I said, no, it's a mechanic. It's a robot. Uh, <laughs> I have that just to give people a little thrill that they've seen <laughs> wildlife here in Montana. <laughs> Man, you're just I don't having know if they bought that or one. not, but it was <laughs> got to have fun. You betcha, absolutely. If they're willing to buy it, may you sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amen. that idea. Yeah, wow, that's pretty neat. I, I remember talking to, uh, well, a uh, a colleague of yours, colleague in the area of bow hunting. Of course, uh, obviously an author too, Barry Wenzel. Oh yeah. I said he when was, go he ahead. was my neighbor in Montana. He lived in Columbia Falls, which yes. is about oh, ten miles from the ranch. And he and Gene came down quite often whenever Gene came up from Stevensville and Barry and he'd get together and we'd come out there and shoot a fad a little bit, but wow. we'd go back a long, long way. And he said that. He's as crazy as his brother. <laughs> I don't know which one. <laughs> They're good people. And I love both of them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he told me, I said, what made you move? 12 feet of snow. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Plus true. Those Iowa deer aren't too bad either, you know. Oh, no, uh, gee whiz. Gene uh, had a little 
Kevin there in in Iowa. I've hunted Iowa quite a bit, and boy, yeah. they've got some nice bucks there. Of course, they do in Illinois, and they yeah. do really in Montana. I I actually, for the Pope and Young measure, I measured the state record the whitetail really? killed uh, north of us. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, he was he he wasn't Amish, but he was Puderite or, or some sect. And he Man. loved hunting, mm-hmm. and uh, he killed a monster buck. I think it scored like 197. Oh my goodness! Like wow. Which is which is pretty good buck. Yeah, that's just an honor. I to could be wrong on that, but it it was yeah. it was a dandy, and it broke the state record. Wow, it's just an honor just to be able to be a part of it, even if just a measure. I say just a measure. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. 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 Wow. Keeps me out of mischief. For yeah. How far? When you lived in Montana, how far from that Milk River Basin? Well, the milk is across uh, to the east and a little north. Uh, Gene and Barry, of course, refined the mm-hmm. drive for whitetails. And in that country, you do because there's not a lot of trees and forests except along the river bottoms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they'd set hunters in stands and they'd make a push through some of that yeah. bedding area and those Bucks would go bounding down the river, and a lot of them walked into arrows along the way. Yeah. They had good operations out there. It worked well for uh, for that period of time until, uh, oh, I don't know, we'll call it uh, Mother Nature, but uh, God had different plans with disease and uh, weather, so. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, let's, uh, not to drop names, but uh, um, there's a couple gentlemen that, were near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, and I know to yours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I jotted them down. Of course, I've read a lot of their writings in your uh, publication that you founded, and in a, a lot of others. Mm-hmm. Is um, Fred Asbill and Dwight Shue, and what? Uh, oh man, contributors to the sport of hunting to the to the world of archery is uh, obviously an understatement. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I just, uh, I marvel when I read some of their work. Of course, I, I've got some of their, their books, uh, up at the cabin up north of me here a couple hours. And it's a beautiful read when, like on a night like tonight, when she's a little chilly out and she's snowing and got the uh, log on, extra log on the fireplace. Boy, there's never a better place to pull up, uh, Fred's (laughs) or Dwight's, uh, writings. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. But as you speak, I'm sitting in my home office and I'm looking <laughs> at the bookcase, and I've got uh, I can see Fred's books and uh, Dwight's books uh, uh, front and center here. I yeah admired their skill as writing as a writers. Their writing appealed to a lot of people. Yeah, including uh, including me. But uh, both were were good friends and uh, good people, and uh, missed the hell out of both of them. You bet. Let's uh, touch on Dwight. I know he passed away a few years ago, but not a long time ago. And obviously, his uh, we still feel his contribution, and will I'm sure for a long time to uh, the world of hunting, archery, etc. Um, yeah. But he was well, a I, uh, uh, he was part of your uh, program at Bo- Bow Hunting Magazine. Yeah. Dwight uh, sold his first story. It was about a elk hunt he went on with his wife in Oregon. This was about, I don't know, 80-something, 80 82, mm-hmm. it seems to me, in, in that time frame. 
uh, he'd just gotten out of the service and was uh, starting to his freelance career. I talked to him personally. I told him, uh, compared to a lot of people who write and send me <laughs> material, you know what the hell you're doing, and you write a good story, and I'd like to use it, but uh, uh, I just want to invite you to uh, continue to send me material. You bet. He did, and the first oh, time man. I met Dwight, real quick, mm -hmm. uh, I was the guest speaker at uh, the Copper King Inn in Butte, Montana, for the Montana Bowhunters Association, and they had a guest there named Dwight Shue, and I, I think that was the first time I made up, might have met him at the Anderson Archery Clinics, but anyway, that's the first time we sat down and had a real heart-to-heart -heart talk. Yeah. And I told him, you, you have to be the gutsiest bow hunter I've ever met. <laughs> uh, you, you here you are, you come to Butte, Montana, you, these Montana guys are all hairy-legged he-men who, who <laughs> hunt uh, with uh, you know, bear with a switch and yeah. don't mind wrestling them. And here you walk out on stage and you're wearing wool knickers. Oh, man. And, and I said, you have to be <laughs> either oblivious or a hell of a fighter because uh, a lot of these guys are going to pick on you. And oh, yeah. But, no, he, he, he continued to write stuff. Uh, I mean, he was associated, of course, with Sports Appeal for yeah. years, and one of their editor, and a lot of freelance stuff. But when I decided to retire, Dwight became uh, our third uh, hunting editor. Wow! If I remember correctly, uh, and he—I uh, gave him the option if he wanted it to uh, to come on board and replaced me as, as editor. We were deer, deer hunting the camp in uh, Mississippi at that time, mm -hmm. and we bunked together, and we were talking about the magazine, and he'd contributed. He was, I could say, after after uh, Larry Bamford, Dr. Bamford, who was the second mm -hmm. president of Open Young Club, uh, when he, uh, he was my first, the magazine's first hunting editor, Fred Asbell took over about 1980, uh, and no, yeah, around 80, if I remember correctly. And he was hunting editor for a number of years until uh, probably around 2000. And uh, wow, that's quite guys, a that's quite a time frame. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he continued to do other work, and I mean, he had his books going and his clinics with uh, Ken Beck at Black Widow and uh, wow. in uh, Missouri. Uh, he just Fred. Is not a he, he's a good writer. I mean, he really is, and he was, of course, he's the godfather of uh, instinctive shooting. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got along just fine. We had a lot of fine hunts together. Ironically, uh, our most memorable hunt was that old man's hunt that uh, <laughs> he, he titled it that because we both <laughs> turned fifty that year. Went to uh, Quebec and Caribou. He, he killed. Two record book bulls. I killed uh, two bulls. Uh, a friend of ours from Montana, Dr. Chuck Williams, who was a mm -hmm. good friend of mine, he killed two bulls. I think there were 20 hunters, no, 10 hunters in camp, and we killed 20 oh bulls that gosh. week. That was when the migration was in full swing and before the caribou die off uh, yeah. made it a little more spotty these days. 
boy. That's so we sure. had a great time, and uh, I asked Fred uh, to uh, to take my place uh, as well to, to to take place in the magazine as, as the hunting editor. And of course, he'd done that, and we got along just just super. And wow. The last time I saw Fred was at the Archery Hall of Fame induction last uh, last May. He and uh, his missus came down and. Yeah. Uh, we we chatted a little bit, but it was so darn busy. We didn't get to spend much time. And of course, uh, when I got the news that he had passed away, it just uh, yeah. took all the wind out of my sails. He was a, yeah. a great guy, good person, a good hunter. I mean, he, that was one of the things about Fred. He, he not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk. And his instinctive shooting books. Yeah, I mean, they've sold thousands and thousands of copies. Yeah. And, uh, he just knew what he was doing and talked about. He had that appeal, and he could teach how to shoot instinctively, and he did a did a great job. And I'm going to miss him yeah. uh, from here on out. And one of these times, I told uh, uh, his, his wife that uh, tell Fred in one of your prayers that uh, we'll get together around a campfire one of these days again. So. You bet. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, uh, some people just have a knack to uh, contribute so much, uh, whether it be archery or something different, but uh, and what they contribute is such high quality, and it's not mm-hmm. that they conducted themselves in a matter to say, hey, look at me. It wasn't about that. It's just the way they did it. It was just That's right. classic. Both Dwight and Fred were, were class acts. And yeah. Dwight, of course... Uh, he, like a number of veterans, uh, contracted uh, cancer thanks to Agent Orange. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we had some great, great times together, too. And uh, uh, just those memories are, are treasures in, in, in my memory bank, and I'm going to uh, continue to enjoy them oh, until you bet. we do cross trails again somewhere. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah. You know, it's funny, I when I talked to that gentleman, I, that arrow builder, um, you brought up the topic of Anderson Archery Clinic. He says, you know, ask him a little bit about that, Gary. I mean, uh, that yeah. was big time. I said, oh, yeah, I was down there three times myself. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just, I wasn't married that long and just landed my job and didn't have much vacation time and, told my wife, I said, I want to take a couple of days and go down with my brother down to this. She looked at me, you know, and I thought, oh, here we go. And, and all of a sudden she says, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. She must have knew, yeah. knew that I was going to be my brother. We couldn't get in a lot of trouble. But, uh, <laughs> Father's Day weekend every, every yes, year. Yes, indeed. And, Absolutely. Uh, got to uh, got to spend time with somebody who Dwight spoke back there. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember Fred being there. I'm sure he was. But uh, Fred Bear yeah. spent time with him uh, every every uh, summer. Of course, through the Pope and Young Club, uh, Fred being president of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time around <coughs> around Fred Bear, and those, those are memories that uh, I'll always treasure. You bet. Uh, Fred uh, uh, just is a master storyteller, and uh, just you could sit and listen to him talk for hours. Yeah, that's what I. Old I've, Papa Bear. Yeah, I read. 
read quite a bit about that part of what you, how you describe him, and it always seems to permeate through what people are uh, mm-hmm. describing him to be. Of course, uh, in two days, yeah, two days, it's yeah the anniversary of his birthday, so it'd be uh, Fred Bear Day. Yeah, and I, I got to meet, of course, a lot of the industry people, and uh, but uh, one of the friendships, there were long and lasting friendships I made there was with Tom Nelson. Oh yeah, who, uh, who worked at Anderson? Of course, uh, Tom hosted our Bowhunter Magazine, American Archer, and he continued the American Archer uh, show on TV, and I think it's still going strong. Yeah, uh, was the last I heard. And Tom is another one of the really nice guys and knowledgeable hunters. Uh, we've shared so many hunts together. And yeah. That that was uh, that was one of the highlights of uh, of every year is getting to go up there and spend a few days with rubbing shoulders with uh, all the names of, mm-hmm. uh, of archery and bow hunting. It's yeah, kind of a who's who of. Yeah. Yeah, but those people that you're describing, from my understanding, of course, I I read that. Oh, losing the title, I. Uh, picked up a copy um a a friend of mine sent it to me the uh your your uh, book that you wrote on the uh greatest bow hunters Um, oh the 45 bow hunters yeah yeah there was Uh, unforgettable 45 unforgettable unforgettable, yeah thank you yeah yeah and uh i've got the book here so yeah 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 it uh that was, I was asked to do that uh, book, and I, I did, uh, and it was a labor of love, and <laughs> I got, having known all uh, these people, yeah. I I had some anecdotes and some yep. uh, stories that uh, certainly Fred's in it, uh, Dwight's in it, uh, Fred Bear's in it. Uh, all the guys you could uh, could name, and all about all of them, I would say, was <laughs> were at the uh, Anderson Clinics. And yeah, was, uh, just just loved getting together with those, all those folks. Yeah, I went to a Fred Bear Day celebration mm-hmm. in Grayling, Michigan. Uh, I don't know. We'll say three or four years ago. I was mm-hmm. heading uh, north to go to the cabin, and I had a I had a, a day to blow. We'll say our schedule says you know. All of us were all busy, and and I just said, you know what, I'm I'm going to go to this, and it was at a at a fraternity type of Eagles Club or something, and and I thought, uh-huh. oh, there's pro- there might be a hundred people there. It was on a Thursday, is how his birthday yeah. fell that year, so we can kind of dial back uh-huh. three or four years. And uh, I pulled it. I couldn't find the sign. It was I, you know, I was following my trusty device, right. my phone, and thought, what are all these cars doing in this parking lot? I'm going to turn around here. I couldn't see the sign because there's so many cars. Yeah. It was yeah. Eagles Club. It was the location. And I thought, mm-hmm. I'm not late. I walked in there, and there was two chairs left. There was 250, 300 people on a Thursday oh, yeah. for lunch Yeah. in Grayling, Michigan, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's a beautiful little town, but it's a little town. And Anyways, fast forward, I went, did the perimeter, and looked at all the uh, displays. Totally amazed me. But anyways, I sat down in a chair. I said, it you know, asked the guy if I could sit there. He said, yeah, there's just two chairs left. So I sat on one side of the table, and within 10 minutes, another guy came over. Uh, he's a bit older than I. He had me probably by 15 years, so. Mm-hmm. 
he says, is this taken? I said, no. I said, it's yours now. And he said, man, it's, I said, well, yeah. He had a, he had a box in his hand, and he set it down, and he says, uh, I have to uh, uh, go, go uh, take care of a couple things. I'll just leave this here, and I'll be back shortly. And uh -huh. I, I just I couldn't help but, you know, rubberneck the, uh, see what's in the box. And it was Fred Bear's uh, right-hand man. God, the name escapes me right this Dick minute. Dick Latimer. It was his son. It was Latimer's son from uh -huh. Grand Ledge, Michigan. Yeah. That brought, he ended up going out to his car and getting another box of books. And, um, oh. yeah. And so we got, yeah. oh, God. And he was one of the speakers that day. And it was just right. a fun day. It was low key, even 250, 300 people. That's not a lot. But it was, and I picked up a couple books. And I said, what do I owe you? And he says, I don't know. Is 20 bucks too much? <laughs> I said, no. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it was just a fun day. And sometimes like it's that. just one of those unplanned things. I am thought, well, I'll go to this thing and walked out of there with a couple of prizes. Yeah. But, uh, well, Dick Latimer uh, ironically worked for a PR company there in um, uh, Fort Wayne. Mm. That's where I first met Dick. And okay. Of course, he went, went to Bear then. And, uh, we we crossed trails frequently, and he was uh, he was another neat guy. Yeah, I always enjoyed. He had had always had a story to tell. <laughs> and, uh, was a, of course, a premier marketer and uh, idea man, and uh, he was. Uh, I know he helped uh, the Bear Archery Company. You bet. Uh, become become what it was. Just again, the thing that I have to pinch myself at times. You you could name. Just about anybody in in the bull hunting community, and I've probably got an anecdote yeah. that I could share with uh, <laughs> about them. And something oh, sure. Stupid they did, or something great they did, or yeah. something fun. And that's a true blessing, and that's one of the things that, in in retrospect, I value most about yeah. being able to do yep. the magazine and uh, it turn out the way it did and uh, I I miss I still write for the magazine mm -hmm. that was one of the things they wanted me to do but I uh, don't have the the deadline worries and the uh, oh yeah feature yeah. stories to write within a day or so and I get to pick and choose and it, it's worked out well and you I bet. think considering the fact that uh there's kind of a proliferation of, of magazines these days. Uh, Bowhunter still uh, does pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I mentioned to my one nephew, we were in camp, and you know, we were up bow hunting in the Upper Peninsula, and there's, I think, five of us. And I picked up, uh, of course, a Bowhunter magazine, and I brought it to camp, and somebody looked at me like, golly. Where do you even get magazines anymore? I could read his mind, you know, young young fella. <laughs> yeah, right. And I said, you know, young man, I said, this magazine right here is, uh, it was a bi-monthly, I think. If I might. Right. Started. I mm -hmm. Yeah, I said, when it showed up in your mailbox, you kind of knew the day it was supposed to arrive, unless the postman or something maybe decided to take it home for a day and read it himself, <laughs> But uh, which I wouldn't blame him. But I said, man, it, it came and, I mean, 
I remember my brother was off in college and he came back and he's looking around. He come up the stairs and he says, what'd you do with the bow hunter magazine? I know it's around here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a, it was a heck of a heck of a ride. And yeah. uh, I tell people we had no idea uh, in creating that, what, what we were getting into at the height of its popularity. Uh, we had a, paid subscription of uh, about 260,000 and a wow. overall readership uh, upwards of over half a million. Oh, my God. And that was, we had the six regular issues, bi-monthly issues, and then we had a deer annual. We had an equipment annual. Yeah. And we had uh, another magazine uh, special. Yeah. Just to catch stories like hunting stories and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And the people at that time were hungry for anything. And I think the difference, and this is, I try to be as objective as possible, I think the difference between us and the other magazines was we lived it. We walked yeah. what we wrote about and talked the language. Yep. And I don't care how good an editor you are, if, if you don't, be involved if you aren't involved in mm-hmm. the work itself uh, it, it kind of shows through it oh absolutely that's that's what set uh, Bowhunter apart and of course I'm I'm prejudiced and uh, kind of still uh, look back in amazement at uh, absolutely though you had a lot of uh, very talented folks that you brought into the fold of whether they were contributing writers or uh, part of your staff members. Um, I think, MR, if I can just say it, and I'm, I don't even know if I'm qualified to say it, but you had a, you have a knack for who to bring in for what purpose, and, and, and um, not everybody has uh, advanced skill sets for certain things, but there were certain people that were not necessarily writing on a bi-monthly basis or eventually monthly, but mm-hmm. it just seemed that mix, and it was always an, a magazine, and you opened up and read it, there was never a disappointment, I, and I truly say that, I mean it, and I know you had a lot of talented people that worked in your organization, but yeah, uh, the leadership a lot of the, leadership showed through. Uh, a lot of them, Gary, uh, were serious bow hunters, yeah. and that, that made the difference. Mm-hmm. You can, as I say, you can be a heck of a writer, but if, if you don't really live what you're writing, it, it can show. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, as I said, it, it's it's just mind-boggling to, to look back and, and yeah. look at uh, what. And as I say, I don't think anyone on, on God's earth has been any more blessed than I am to <laughs> <play> <laughs> life and do the yeah. Things that I've done and have the uh, have the uh, ability in, in retrospect to say the good Lord was uh, was yeah. really looking out for me along the way. Yeah, he was absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I don't mean to shift gears, but I've got a couple of topics, and I don't want to end on this because I know we're kind of winding down according to the time frame based off what our uh, okay. attention spans are out there, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but I got a couple of things I want to bring up, and I brought them up a okay. little bit ago. Is uh, the technology 
the mm-hmm. high tech stuff and where this is heading. And of course, yeah. this uh, um, uh, arrow builder, Joe Callahan, he mentioned, "Hey, bring up the air bowl thing." He says, "You know, I'm mm-hmm. just not a fan of it, Gary, but I know it, it serves its place and all that." But uh, he says, "You know, that's uh, might not be a fun." thing to talk about but it certainly could be controversial that maybe needs to be uh, aired a little bit no pun intended well, yeah uh, I'm a bow hunter mm-hmm. and to me a bow and arrow is either a long bow recurve or a compound bow yeah. yep. uh, I've had some interaction with the uh, crossbow industry and I respect the fact that uh, it brought a lot of people into the fold, mm-hmm. uh, much more so. I think if you look at longbows, in my mind, they're harder to shoot than recurves. You bet. That's personal comment. Yeah. Recurves are harder to shoot than air bows or crossbows or anything, and they're they're bows. And I'm not I'm not knocking some people, physically challenged people, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, young kids, uh, women. Uh, I have no objection to whatever they want to choose so they can get out and enjoy it. But I also, when people ask me what's the thing I like most about bow hunting, it's it's the challenge. Yeah. And I want it to be as difficult as it can be. And I like to feel the satisfaction of having used uh, a, a recurve, say. Mm-hmm. Not too long ago, one of my good friends from Montana, uh, he was with us on that trip, was with Fred and I in Quebec. Uh, he passed away. He was a dentist. He was mm-hmm. my dentist. And uh, uh, he had a heart attack and, and passed away. And Chuck, mm-hmm. a stick bow shooter mm-hmm. he had a recurve and when he passed away janet and i flew out for the funeral and then i spoke at his funeral and then the family gave me his favorite recurve wow and said would you please kill something with it in <laughs> chuck's memory mm. and so here on the farm two years ago i shot a, a pretty nice eight point buck wow i hunted uh, all season and used yes. that and i dedicated that to chuck and did a story mm. about it that's cool, and Zach. To me, the challenge is the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, easy, bow hunting and, and easy are polar opposites as yeah. far as I'm concerned. And I want to make it as difficult and as personally challenged as I can. I don't begrudge people who want to use it or need to use it, have to use it. But I've got friends who are blind who, yeah. who with the help of a sighted, your assistant mm-hmm. uh, they kill deer yeah i've got friends with missing limbs and use artificial limbs and still bow hunt yeah using compounds uh i, I don't want to come off as an elitist i'm not uh, I'm, I'm fairly open-minded but by the same token there are people who need to understand that why most of us serious bow hunters bow hunt is that one word it's it's challenging more challenging than a gun certainly and if you're reinventing the gun in in a sense and i'm not saying crossbows are guns they're not cross guns or crossbows 
the modern crossbow yeah. when I wrote that last book and did a chapter on crossbows. I had a crossbow dealer come out to the farm here, and when he could shoot a six-inch group at 100 yards, oh my! I can't do that no. with my best bow, and I don't want to. No. To me, it's not... Got Barry Wendell, we spoke to him earlier, Barry had a saying, in, in archery and bow hunting, it's it's not how far, it's how close. Yeah, boy, that's it. And there's something to that. You get there, mm-hmm. you get close, undetected, and be able to get a shot against your matching wits with a yeah. wild animal sense of smell, sight is generally so much better than ours. And if you come out on top, You've done something. Yeah. Uh, shooting a deer with a gun uh, at 300 yards is just not my thing. And people who do it, more power to them. Same thing with crossbows. But yeah. I'm going to stick with a recurve or I'm going to stick with a compound or I'm going to stick with a, a longbow. And yeah. I don't shoot longbows that much. But anyway. Wow. That's, I, those are some good that's words. That's, that's my two cents yeah. worth uh, sermon from the book of James. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll even challenge some of the listeners, which are uh, probably not traditionalists, but bow hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't need to hear it from me, but I'd ask them, hey, chew on it before you uh, disagree. And, um, yeah, the, 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 uh, it's not how far, it's how close. That's, I like that. Those few words uh, describe it uh, uh, quite nicely. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Absolutely. Um, the uh, the technology on the side of the on the writing side. My son is a videographer for a company that uh, they do a variety of things, and and uh, mm-hmm. I was writing a couple articles for my the blog that we have, and I was probably two three hundred articles. Well, I say two or three hundred, probably two and a quarter articles on there and and i just told my son i said hey he said dad if you're running into a snag he says make every time i talk to you run into a you know a brain freeze i said what do you what do you mean he says you know i just got talked into using ai artificial intelligence writing Mm -hmm. and i scared i don't know man I, i you know i just can't do it and he says i'm just writing scripts to make it easy so we can hand that off to the client before we mm-hmm. videotape, you know, what we're doing. He says, this can, can get you off the, uh, you know, off and writing right away. It'll give you, you know, someone of a rough, rough draft. And I thought, oh, here we go. You know, where does this stuff stop? But I thought, you know, I know it's going to serve a purpose, and I know we'll be experiencing it whether we like it or not. But uh, that's got to really seem like ruffle some feathers of some fine, fine uh, published periodicals we'll call them and sure. uh and where's where is that going to take take us and will we know if a person wrote it or if it was uh, generated you know on a computer yeah yeah that's that's the appropriate question in this day and age oh man it sure is yeah so what uh kind of winding right down to the uh last couple of minutes here mr is you're in that uh we'll call it because it is called that. I remember when I visited you, it's Cattail Valley. Valley. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a beautiful setting um, you have there. It uh, Driving that whole 
section to finally pull into your driveway, that whole area was beautiful. And then what, uh, what, what is upon you in the next uh, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days until a solid spring and summer arrive? What's on uh, MR's agenda? What's, on your, what's in your sights? Well, <coughs> the big thing is, of course, uh, turkey season yeah. is coming up. And I'll be out there. I, I, I actually, the last day of February, I had a tom strutting, well, two toms strutting following a flock of hens. And that's the earliest I've ever seen it. And the bad part about Indiana, with having a northern zone and a southern zone, yeah. actually, geographically, mm -hmm. uh, the southern zone, our season here doesn't open until April 26th this year. Wow. And I'm thinking, I'm seeing Tom strutting already, and there are going to be hens nesting uh, and yep. probably even hatching before season even opens. Yeah. And that's to, I guess, pay homage to the people up north who can <laughs> winter last longer. They, yeah. they uh, complain if we get an early start. But uh, I'll be mess messing with turkeys. I'll be out in the woods every day with my camera. I think I mentioned to you earlier that... Uh, I spend. Uh, I have got morning rounds. I go out and take That's pictures. Awesome. I carry two cameras, both with uh, built-in zoom lenses. Yeah. I get close-ups of the deer and turkey and the wildlife here on the farm, and that's my job. I feel yep. I've got to patrol the place and see what's <laughs> going on out there. So in case uh, anybody asks, I can tell them what I saw in the day and show them some pictures. That's and, right. Uh, I, I have a Facebook page, Mr. James uh, Bowhunter. Uh, go to that. Uh, you can you can find my my web page, and uh, uh, it's it's I I can't get over how many people. I think the last I looked, there's something like twenty three thousand people oh, yeah. that uh, follow my daily posts. You're right. I think I noticed. There's always room for one more. That's right. So uh, that's uh, that's as close as I'll ever get to advertising what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to talk. I always enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you, too, Mr. I really appreciate it. And um, I, I hope to see uh, some more pictures of what is uh, part of your life in your everyday walk out in God's country. And, uh, yeah, we're going to start seeing some turkeys uh, strutting, and uh, we mm -hmm. look forward to seeing that posted on your uh, Facebook and web page as well. And we, for, well, that, we you, really, for that, we appreciate uh, your time and uh, sharing well, that with my, everybody. It's my pleasure, and if anyone out there is interested in what I wrote about Fred Asbell, the current copy of, of Bowhunter Magazine has uh, my tribute to him and I'll give that a plug. Uh, you if bet. you can't uh, tolerate plugs, I just yeah. edit this out. But, uh, <laughs> I think no, people that uh, want to know more about Fred will will learn quite a bit from that. Uh, you that bet. Tribute. I think that was a nice. Uh, that's a great plug. Yeah. Thank you very much, Mr. Thanks for my uh, pleasure, Gary. You take care and keep in touch. Thank you. You too. Godspeed. Bye. 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 This week's podcast brought to you by. True North Arrows, traditional archery's best eco-friendly arrow making products for first-time arrow makers to professional arrow smiths. Also producing wooden carbon arrows for hunting in 3D ranges. 
You can see all of True North Arrows products at www.truenorthearrows.com. And also brought to you by... Hey out there, this is Barry Wenzel. I've been successfully hunting white-tailed deer for over 60 years now. Deer base their entire existence on messages received from their noses. And you can increase communications within the local social structure by using Smokey's Deer Lures. They just flat out work great for me. Give Smokey's a try, and I think you'll agree. Best of luck and shoot straight. And with that, we conclude another podcast episode with Wild Game Dynasty. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe in your podcast app to receive notifications on future podcasts. Also, please head on over and check out our Facebook page. Be sure to like and follow it to stay up to date on highlights from our clients, turkey, bear, and white-tailed deer hunts. Until next time, guys, stay safe, enjoy the great outdoors, and happy hunting. Happy hunting.